Good morning. Reading this morning is taken from uh, Acts chapter 13, verses 47 through 52. Acts chapter 13, verses 47 through 52. Found on page 782 if you're following in the Pew Bible. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored. The, they, they were glad, glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of God spread through the whole region, but the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn, if you would, to Acts 13. Keep your uh, fingers there or have your Bibles open or whatever. I'm going to read a good portion of this text today. And it's an important text for sure for us to read. In 1987, I was uh, I, I received a letter from a missionary that we were supporting in Zambia, Wendy Charco. Many of you would know her, and many of you probably know her brother, Mike, who was actually a member of this church for a while. And Wendy um, had been serving in Zambia, having been converted by the church in Victoria. She'd been there for about two years, I think, when I moved to Victoria. And I'd had very little contact with her, a couple of long-distance phone calls, which I'm, it may be better today, but at that point it was... I can't hear you. And then the line would go dead. We'd do that three or four times and then finally get through and have some kind of conversation. So Wendy sent a letter back to the church just kind of saying, hey, uh, hope you're still going to support me now that we've got this new preacher. And uh, of course, which we did. And I, I took the letter to Steve Mann, one of our deacons. And I said, Steve, you've got to read this letter from Wendy, whom I didn't know at all. I didn't know Wendy. but And she described in this letter, how, and she sent photographs, of how she would leave from Namianga, the school where she was teaching, and she would go out into the village, four hours drive from where she was, and four hours drive from where she was, like she was already at the end of the earth. So then to get in a car and drive four more hours out into the bush was, I mean, an unbelievable thing, really, for a young lady. She was in her mid-20s, and she did this completely on her own. She would go out into this area. She would set up a two-man pup tent, we used to call them. She'd set up this little pup tent, and she would stay there for a week at a time and dispense aspirins. That's basically what she did. She wasn't a nurse or anything like that. But the people there, of course, thought... A doctor has arrived among us. And so she would dispense aspirins and put band-aids on cuts. She probably had some iodine or something that they would use back then for killing bacteria on cuts. And she would put that on. She, she described how she would wake up in the morning and look outside. She'd pull back the tent flaps and there was a big log that was laying not too far from the opening of her tent. And there would already be people sitting in the log waiting for her just in silence for her to wake up so she could dispense aspirins and put Band-Aids on their fingers. 
Well, that opening uh, communication with Wendy, and I showed this letter to Steve, prompted him to say, as we're sitting there at lunch uh, in this restaurant that he owned, he, would say, he, uh, he just said to me across the table during lunch, I think we should go to Zambia in three weeks. And uh, I wasn't prepared for that. I had no money for that <laughs> or anything else. But he said, I think we should go to Zambia in three weeks and we should go meet this lady because she's obviously doing a great job for the Lord. So we did. Went to Zambia. Uh, enjoyed a, a, a blessed time at Namianga Christian School. Went out to the, in the bush to the very place where Wendy had been dispensing aspirins. Uh, it was. It must have been. Uh, I don't know what this is in Celsius. 40, it might have been forty degrees Celsius or something. It was very warm. Uh, you've probably heard, or you've heard me describe before, but may not remember walking for eight kilometers one way, eight kilometers back the other way, seeing cattle lying along the path and down by this lake that we went to. The cattle had died because of lack of uh, of water. They were in the middle of this huge drought. We were going to take some. Um, clothing and ointment and things to some albino children that lived out there. So we did all of that, had this incredible time. And at the end of the the trip, uh, this orphan was brought to Steve and put on his lap. And he and I are sitting in the living room. I don't know if I can hold back tears on this one, but he said, uh, he said, one of these days soon, I'm going to take one of these little babies home with me. And, uh, you know, I was kind of like, inside, I'm thinking, yeah, right. I, idle comment, not really. Well, in two months, there was one of those babies that was in his home. In fact, that very one that sat on his lap uh, is now his daughter, and she has been since 19, early in 1988. Well, that led to a whole series of adoptions, of course, including our own Meg. And uh, and all that was a blessing. But what is as much a blessing as anything in all of that is the way in which God has blessed the the rather minor efforts in one way of a church to start Zambia Mission Fund Canada and to begin ministering in the third world in a significant way. And so now there, there's a, a, a huge reservoir that has been built so these people can have water. And there are borehole after borehole after borehole that have been dug so that wells can be producing water. There is a 5,000-acre farm that produces food for three different orphanages that exist uh, around that property. There have been um, hundreds of students that have been paid for so that they can go to school. And your dollars have in many ways helped students go to school. And we, in fact, help one uh, particular house uh, where a fellow named Wilson Ciazilo lives. And Wilson uh, is in charge of this house with the orphans that live there. And, and, uh, and we support Wilson out of this congregation in order to pay for the care of those orphans. And all of it is absolutely beautiful. Now, I tell you all that to say that it's incredible to me, amazing to me, what God has been able to do through 150-member church in Victoria, how he has been able to do something amazing because that's what he wants to do through his people. And it started 
in Acts 13. It started when people prayed and fasted and asked God to set apart. And he did. It it started with God saying, I'm going to send these two fellows out into the world to preach the gospel. And they, with their willing hearts, went. And of course, the world was changed. The entire world was changed after Acts 13, verse 4 or 5. Everything became different because of these missionaries going out. And it, for us, it's just as personal as could be because not only does Victoria do what they do, but we have people here that we support, that we've sent out. Jason Moriarty goes and spends 10 years in Papua New Guinea and changes people's lives. And we continue to support missionaries here. And God, through His Spirit, blesses them and does wonderful things in His world because the church decided to pray and to send. And so if there's anything that needs to continue in the life of our congregation, it's the praying and the sending. Um, We had a time of prayer the other night, specifically praying about the fact that we were going to two services and we're asking God to bless us. And afterwards, Larry Luck came out to me. This was after the sermon last week. And he said, we should have fasted too. And he's exactly right. We should have fasted too. Like we should pray and we should fast and we should implore the Lord to bless us in terms of going into the world with his good news and doing wonderful things for him. God wants to bless us. God wants to answer our prayers. I think that God wants to feel us close to his heart, drawing near to him because of our fasting hearts and lives. And he wants to do something so wonderful through us as we pray and fast and open ourselves up to him. So that's the story. That's what we find in Acts 13. Is this happening? Look at verse 4 with me. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. So Paul and Barnabas and John Mark go into the synagogues and begin to preach about Jesus. Now, it doesn't go perfectly. We looked at this briefly last week. There's some conflict in the beginning. People don't know who they are. People kind of challenge who they are. There are those who confront Saul in his preaching. If you look at verse 9, it says, Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimas and said, You are a child of the devil and and of everything that is right. And so there's a direct move by Satan to stop this missionary preaching. And Paul, with the strength of the Holy Spirit behind him, just shuts him up and doesn't allow the ministry to stop at all. Notice in verse 12, it says, When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. And that's exactly what was happening everywhere. People were amazed at the teaching of the Lord. And so as you read through this story, it's it's amazing, really, how quickly people start to see something significant. Now, I'm going to read a, a big portion of this after verse 13, so follow along with me, please. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to retain to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. 
On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue ruler sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Now, this is interesting that Paul would receive this kind of hearing. He's a Pharisee, and it would have been known to these people, I think, most likely. If nothing else, it would have very quickly been known that there was a a significant Pharisee who had now come to the city and was preaching about Jesus. And so they're open to this. What are you, what are you saying here? You're, you're a teacher. You're a rabbi. We would like to hear from you. So they opened this up to him. Standing up in verse 16, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God. These are the, the uh, God-fearers. The Gentiles who were always, were always part of the synagogues. They weren't necessarily Jews. They hadn't become Jews. But they were very interested in the God of the Jews. And so they kept coming and listening. And in some cases would become proselytes and become Jews. But at this point, these are just Gentiles who worship God, these God-fearers. Listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of the country. uh, He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And so Paul begins to chronicle the story of Israel to these Jews. And to the Gentile God-fearers. So they're sitting in the synagogue hearing Paul tell them about their history. And he relates to them how God is, has been working among the people of Israel. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. So he tells about the time of the judges. And then he moves in talking about David. How he was a son of Jesse. And how David was a man after God's own heart. Verse 23 From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Now this, at this point, becomes a kind of blow-the-people-away moment. Up until this, he's just been telling the story about Israel. But now suddenly, in this very Jewish context, he explains to them very specifically that Messiah has come. The Savior, Jesus, has come. Just as he promised, before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. And they would have been familiar with this. Even though they're a long ways away, they would have heard from other Jews about John the Baptist's ministry. They would have known who John was. Before the um, Verse 25, as John was completing his work, he said, Who do you think I am? I'm not that one. No, but he is coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. And so there were people there who saw Jesus raised from the dead, Paul says. And they're now the witnesses who are witnessing about who Jesus is to this Jewish synagogue. So he's just telling the story of Jesus. He's telling the gospel. Then look at verse 38. Therefore, my brothers, he sums this up. I want you to know that through Jesus, 
The forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Take care of what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe even if someone told you. Well, what just happened? 